Well, thanks for coming in here today, Larry, uh, and participating in one of the CIA experiments. Uh, you'll be rightly compensated after the experiment, of course, but uh, we're just going to ask you a few questions. I just want the cash. I'm only doing this for the cash. Oh, I know, Larry. Everyone's here for the cash, man. It's all right, but... Uh, I'll answer your questions. Ask some questions here. Uh, so, can you just state your full name? My name is Larry P. Livermore. Larry P. Livermore, thank you. Uh, your weight... My weight is uh, 205 pounds. 205 pounds, okay. And uh, when was the last time you saw a duck? Oh, it's maybe been three or four years since I've seen a duck. I used to wander down in the in the marsh and see a few mallards on a Sunday morning. Yeah, what you that was a purpose duck. Is there any has any ducks come into your life bef- like before that, like after that? No. I cannot recall any ducks coming in and out of my life before or after that. All right, three to five years. All right, thank you. Um, where are you living right now, Larry? I'm currently living in a little squat downtown. You know, it's a it's a bachelor, it's a studio apartment. Okay. Uh, any allergies or anything? Uh, cats and beans. Now, when you had this experience with the duck three to five years ago... Um, is there anything specific you remember from that experience? I remember uh, walking out onto the pond, and and there was this graceful green-headed mallard duck just floating about, and then it looked at me. Interesting. Okay. Um, did it seem to translate anything, uh, kind of download any kind of information into your head? I don't believe so. It was just a duck. Oh, you're absolutely right, Larry. Um Okay, well, I'm just going to leave you here for a moment here. I'm just going to leave the room, and I'm going to be on the other side of this window. Okay. Okay. Hit the, here. hit the latch. All right, Larry, just stay calm, and tell me if you see a duck enter the room. Okay. Nothing yet. Everything seems pretty calm. It's, it's getting a little chilly in here. Did you see the tiny door open? It's about the size of a duck. I see the door. Do you see the duck, Larry? I don't see the duck. All right, he doesn't see the duck. All right, stay here for a minute. You're saying there's a duck in this room right now and I can't see the duck? Are these invisible cloaking ducks? Okay, how about now? Do you see the duck? Oh, my God. My God, yeah, there is a duck. There's more than one duck. All right, several ducks. Is this the is this the duck from your past that you remember from three years ago? Not that one over there. The big one in the middle. The big one in the middle. I've seen that duck before. All right. Perfect. All right. Give Larry his money. Get him out of here before things get too bad. What was that? <laughs> Duck science. <laughs> it's confusing and not everyone understands it. Welcome to Redoom Podcast. My name's Brandon McIntosh. I'm your host here. With me as always, Tyler Shatsma. Howdy! Howdy. Talking about duck experiences. you have any positive duck experiences, Tyler? Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> All my experiences with ducks are positive. Unlike geese. Mostly negative experiences. Yeah, geese will fuck you up. Yeah, you don't want to fuck up geese. And crazy, just sidetrack, or way to start the episode. Do you have a negative duck experience? I don't have negative duck experiences. I have negative goose experience, negative swan experience. The town I grew up in air growing up used to have two beautiful swans in the pond. That ever there's pictures of them all over town. Little did they know that it just they were two assholes. They just. Went out of their way to attack people at any chance they can get. Weird. Yeah, not not nice birds. No, swans aren't nice. They want to eat you. No, you can't let them. Big neck birds. Big neck bird will fuck your shit up. Yeah, um, I, I used to be terrified of birds that were larger than me. But, you know, it was a fear I had as a kid because, you know, there were geese were bigger than me, right? Swans were bigger than me. You can take me out. I grew out of those birds, right? It wasn't until I went to Australia where I realized those fears are very real again. 
and there are still birds larger than me. Only birds that are larger than you. Yeah. So the older you got, the less birds you're afraid of. Yeah, I feel like that's with any animal, right? You're scared of any animal that's too big when you're a kid. Birds especially, though. I think I had a lot of negative goose experiences, getting too close to the pond. <laughs> Swan experiences. I remember specifically, me and my friend in high school getting high next to the pond. It's dark. We can't see anything. We're just laughing, passing the pipe back and forth. And next thing you know, just this fucking angel of death comes from the pond. Just a swan, like wings straight up, neck. Art, oh, neck, a neck. swan at night is scary. I've never even, I didn't think they yeah. came out at night. They were silent. <laughs> like, you, we, if we looked up, we would have seen it. It's, it was white, but it was too late. By the time we saw it, it was right there. And it just got a few good hits in with its wings. Just got its neck right out. And the thing crossed the road to chase us down the sidewalk very slowly. Yeah, they'll come after you, especially if they have babies around. They will, they will fuck your shit. But that was the thing. They, they just they didn't have babies around. They were just, like, out to get people. They were out to fuck people up. Yeah, but after years and years of people fucking up geese and swans and eating them for Christmas dinner... It, it, I, I understand why they do that, so you don't have these animals around. <laughs> you just eat, eat them for Christmas dinner. When out to New Zealand, there's a bunch of animals there that aren't supposed to be there, right? Like, uh, people have brought in elk and deer to hunt them, because they're no large mammals. The thing I didn't expect to run into there was Canadian geese. A whole, like, and, huge uh, group of Canadian geese in New and Zealand. They, they identified as Canadian geese in New Zealand? They were on. They had their passports out. I, I guess so. Uh, when I asked one of the locals about them, he's like, "Yeah, we shoot them all the time. They still keep showing up." It's like, what is going on? Is there just some route from Canada to New Zealand we don't know about? No, they probably get sidetracked over the ocean. That's a giant sidetrack. They cross the entire Pacific Ocean. Yeah, happens. Because I can't imagine people bringing them over in boats and shit in like the eighteen hundreds. Yeah. Like they're a difficult. Like, can you imagine living on a boat for three months with Canadian geese? And yet, you your job is to keep them alive. <laughs> Fuck. You think they're bringing them over in boats? I, I don't know. It's a long flight. Like I guess they could just be landing on islands, landing in the ocean the whole way. How long can a goose fly for before it's got to land? That's a good question. Uh, or can what, it just stay in flight for? Would do? Would you make a guess how long a goose can fly for? Oh, I'm going to say like a day or two, a couple days. Let's see. How long can a goose fly? Yes. A day or two? <laughs> That's the answer. The answer is yes, a goose can fly. Maybe they don't even have to come down. Maybe they stay in the air. I don't know. Do they have to come down? Um, I don't There's no answers. Birds land. <laughs> there's a lot of seabirds that live out in the ocean because they're fine landing. Right? But, like, they're not ocean-faring birds. Find a little garbage rock to land on. You know, they find the night, the right drift. And they'll, just, they'll just drift their way in. I guess so. All right. Starting this podcast off with some bird talk. Bird talk. Um, I'd, uh, yeah. I traded some oyster mushrooms for locally made honey today. To get barter system, you got to get back on the barter system. I know. I'm re- I'm getting ready for the future. That's going to be the future. It's bartering. It was the past. Past the seeds the and past bartering repeats itself. Yeah, everyone thinks it's cryptocurrency is going to be the new big currency. No, it's going to be seeds. Going to get ready. Se- you learned that from the bee lady, didn't you? Yeah, well, I, I learned a lot of things. <laughs> I knew that beforehand too. Like the trading of seeds when once money nothing matters and everything collapses yeah well, are you gonna have a seeds no one wants your gold when you're hungry no but like if you can forge and find a bunch of oyster mushrooms and trade them for some locally fresh bee honey <laughs> yeah my cousin made the honey too he just got some bees this year 30 pounds of honey i didn't know they could make honey that quick i thought it was like a whole year that's why i felt bad and they like, want us to take the honey right the bees want us <laughs> to take the honey not necessarily. Like but they don't need it. They're not using it. They're not using all of it. They make access. You know, they're using it to feed their larvae. They're using it to feed themselves as well. But it's well. just like uh, like their vomit? Essentially. It's bee vomit. It's it's delicious. Or is it their cum? It might be a bit of both. <laughs> <laughs> it's vomit fuck. and cum. Yeah, yeah, bees are fucked, man. Piss and shit. They're into some weird stuff. And they make some I don't even know what honey stuff. is. I think you're. I think it's pretty much vomit. They, vomit. They yeah. collect pollen and they regurgitate regurgitate the honey. <laughs> That's what my brain is saying is that it's vomit. More vomit than cum. Okay. 
probably. <laughs> or you keep, keep the mic there. <laughs> I felt like I needed to pick it up for that. I know. <laughs> I haven't you're, picked up a microphone in a while. You're dying for stand-up. We'll get you, we'll get you a mic just to hold here soon. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm stoked. But, yeah, this is going to be the bartering system. You're going to have to have something to trade. What do you think you're going to trade? What do you got? I don't have any. I can chop wood. I'll probably chop wood. <laughs> chop wood. You got a lot of VHS tapes. I guess no, you could trade those. No one's coming for those. Hey, what if like society breaks down and all we have is DVD players and VHSs again, right? The internet's gone. That's fine. You know, we get enough solar power to get the old TV VHS player going. I don't know. People are going to want it. You can that's, open a video store Yeah, that's again. like one yard sale and then you're done. <laughs> I just say start collecting. Fill this room with VHS. You'd be surprised. You, you got a post-apocalyptic video store. <laughs> Those are gonna be. A thing. A, I'm not starting a post-apocalyptic video store. Then what do you what do you want your job to be then in like the post-apocalyptic world? Like like powers. I don't gone, think you have jobs. I don't think you have jobs in there's, post-apocalyptic there's, world. You're just surviving. You're, you're surviving. Just... But if you're with a a group or a tribe, <laughs> you still have tasks, I guess. You're doing things to... I'm going to be the jester. The jester, yeah. Yeah, because we're comedians. I'm gonna, or uh, or chop wood. I can chop wood. Yeah. And I think jester, you would have to have a goofy hat and silly costumes. And you think it's going to have to go back to that? Yeah, you can just call yourself a comedian still, I think. You mm-hmm. think it's just going to go straight back to being called a jester <laughs> as soon as it all ends? <laughs> still won't get any respect. <laughs> no. <laughs> Can't get no respect. But if you can get a sticky situations by making people laugh, it's a that's a that's a means of survival. Yeah. You know, everyone else had a hard day, like hunting elk. And I like shoveling too. I can dig holes. Mm-hmm. I'll probably work at the funeral. <laughs> hey, work at the cemetery. Just gonna bit dig shallow graves for people. <laughs> they don't have to be shallow. They like, can be dying. Deep. I can't keep up with it. I can dig deep graves for people too. <laughs> okay. okay. Grave digger slash comedian. All right, I think you got yourself a spot. Slash wood splitter. You'd probably get some great bits working at the, as a grave digger. Grave digger. <laughs> I feel like people would have a much darker sense of humor in this time. Like uh, I don't know. It, just, it depends on the scenario. Let's say like a big solar storm, which by the way hit Earth um, a little less than a week ago. A solar storm. But all the news stories came out after it happened. Yeah. It didn't really affect a few GPS things. Isn't there hurricanes going on right now, too? A couple of them. Laura. Hurricane Laura. Hurricane Laura. I'm not aware of her. Um, no, but there's a solar storm that hit. They were worried it might have caused more damage, but we're just w- still waiting for the big one. But if the big one does hit, all the power goes out. It just wipes out electronics. We can't get the power back on probably for years. You think for years? You if, don't think- if there's like even proper ways of like like getting the right team together that could figure out how to get like this whole power grid together. I'm sure there's, during all this chaos. Too. I'm sure there's fucking people though that have a plan B and they have like uh, like backups. Preppers, preppers do and no like cities and stuff. I don't know. Last week, I got left alone with like the entire power grid to ha- downtown Hamilton. And I was like, I could just turn this off if I wanted to. I was just in this room with a bunch of switches. And we're talking buttons. about Tyler Ted Kaczynski Shazma here. <laughs> yeah, they didn't know who they left alone with the power grid. But I could have fucked some shit up if I wanted to, but I didn't. I can't believe that they just let you roam around. In full me, control. I was doing a job with a camera, and then they were just like, yeah. Film in here. If they saw like, that mullet, they would have been like, nope. Add my hood <laughs> He's up. He's going to piss on all these servers. Add my hood up. <laughs> <laughs> my big sunglasses on. Well, there you go. If someone is trying to like wipe out the Hamilton power grid, talk to Tyler here. He's got the inside scoop. It's in an old high school. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if I know what I'm talking about right now. Like, I don't know. Yeah, those could have just been a bunch of computer servers for some shitty company downtown. They're like giant switches and buttons and <laughs> levers. Uh, and in my head, I'm like, I just got to pull one lever and I can shut down the entirety of downtown Hamilton. Hold it ransom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like a supervillain. I can turn into a supervillain. I know, Tyler. You're all, you're you're on your way. You're definitely on your way. It's something to fantasize about, except for like you'd have to have a way not to be put in jail. 
They no. put me in jail pretty quick if I fucked anything up there. I'm sure I was being watched. I'm sure there was cameras. Yeah, camera. You just hear the cameras following you as you walk around. <laughs> Watch that guy. He's got a mullet. Watch him. Speaking of mullets, do you know that there's methamphetamine in the waterways and it's turning fish into addicts? I believe it. Was that a good segue? Because meth heads have mullets a lot of the time. A lot of time. And, and a lot of these... I think it's probably just these meth head rednecks that are out trout fishing and then they just drop their dime bags of meth into the river. That sounds like a lot of meth to be dropping. They're pretty careful with their meth, the meth heads. So the headline is methamphetamine in waterways maybe turning turning trout into addicts. So these trouts are just turning into meth heads, man. They're addicted to meth. And it's not, yeah, people aren't dropping their dime bags out of the canoe. It's coming through waterways. So... People that are just pissing, right? Peeing in the toilet, oh, that goes yeah. through the system, and there aren't filters to catch most drugs. There's a lot of drugs going through the waterways, back out into the water and rivers, like uh, like all, all different prescriptions of drugs yeah, make I remember, it through the system. I read a headline one time, it was like some like Miami hotel or something tested their water, and it was like... 45% cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's where you want to stay when you're in Miami, right? Let's get high drink in the water. But these fish are getting high drink in the water. So much so that they're becoming addicted and they're becoming attracted to these waterways that are in like kind of run down areas that might have a lot of meth. Where more meth. <laughs> yeah. So like trailer parks, like anywhere there's runoff from trailer parks and like inner cities. And these aren't safe places for fish to hang out. Like, normally they're just passing through. These are disgusting waterways they're hanging out. So that's another thing contaminating these poor trout. But now they're, I guess, suffering from withdrawal symptoms because they just need that fix, man. Oh, the trout are, they're addicts. They're absolutely addicts. They're just like cleaning, they're just like cleaning the bottom of the river, rivers relentlessly. There's no algae. They're just, they just cleaned it all. And uh, they've just been, <laughs> they've been, they've been making crafts. <laughs> Get, getting in long conversations about concerts they'd start yeah and they're just like harassing other animals and fish everywhere man we could get fish to play for the fish yeah. <laughs> these these fish aren't meant to be taking math okay we gotta get a help we're gonna have to start programs put these fish into programs yeah they're gonna have to go into a 12-step program you know Kind of been like they need Jesus is yeah, what they need. Yeah, we need to put them in some just sobriety tanks, get them sober. You know, just get it out of their system before we put them back out there. But uh, meth head fish. You know, they got to take drugs right. What now. kind of fish did you catch today, Terry? Oh, looks like he got a North Atlantic meth head. <laughs> <laughs> like, would you get high eating these trout just full of meth? Oh, yeah, that's going to happen now, too. People are going to be filleting up these trout, and they're, they're going to be full of meth, and then people are going to be addicted to trout, but really they're addicted to meth. <laughs> Being addicted to trout doesn't seem so bad. <laughs> <laughs> they're meth trout. <laughs> uh, well, I'm going to empty these lakes out. But speaking of emps, <laughs> emptying lakes... I'm just trying way too hard for these yeah, segues just today. Fucking, if we need to jump topics, I'm jumping topics here. All right, um, this is a, a lake in uh, Antarctic, an Antarctic lake. It's huge. Yeah, what drugs do they it's have absolutely there? Absolutely massive, and yeah, it's full of cocaine. Judging by the picture of cocaine Antarctica. lake. Anyways, uh, one of these lakes are sitting on top of an ice shelf, so it's not like it's not a normal lake. It's not sitting under rocks and sediment and ground. It's sitting on top of a glacier. But this giant lake emptied out in a matter of days, dumped about 26 billion cubic feet of water into the ocean that wasn't there. So these are glacial lakes, and this is one of the biggest ones in Antarctica. Just, just all gone, at once. All at once. So. You know, underneath it's slowly kind of wearing away. You know, something cracks, opens up, and it just dumps all this fresh water into the ocean. Which they say is going to have, this is like an unexpected event. On top of all the shit that's already happening with oceans rising, that they're like, you know, this, you know, we could be seeing problems in a couple of years due to this. Like flooding just the coasts. And on top of that... On top of 26 billion cubic feet of water being dumped in the ocean, scientists are also discovering that the moon is developing a wobble that they've never seen before. The moon's got a wobble? The moon's got a wobble. 
Remember we talked about that Republican who wanted to move move the moon a little bit yeah, to affect the climate? It. Well, that's not good because the moon's moving itself just a little bit. What's that going to do for all these <clears throat> horoscope people? People relying on their moon signs not to wobble. Well, they're just going to have wobbly moon signs, <laughs> you know. Just going to have to sh- like move with the moon. But this is another thing that's going to cause flooding and disruption in the ocean. So not only have all this f- new water just added to the ocean now the moon's going to be tossing it around even harder yeah. than before well and and that's going to be affecting us because we're made of water and that's why i kind of <laughs> that's why i kind of believe the horoscope bullshit because if the moon does affect the tides and it affects the water so you think it humans affects the are water waters, so i'm sure it affects humans a little bit but is it, it is it affecting the molecules of the water or the the, the sloshing around of the water itself i think it's more it's contracting the earth in and out and that's just causing the water to to shift it's more the land can like moving than it is yeah, the water what if we start wobbling <laughs> <laughs> we're already pretty wobbly oh we're wobbly all right Th- things are gonna get a little more wobbly can you imagine that's the the, pro- the apocalyptic thing that comes no one even saw it happening just our like our just our gravity gets a little weaker and somehow we just can't stop wobbling they're just walking around like we're dizzy all the time. Or maybe it's got something to do with the alien base on the moon. Yeah, and it could be. Maybe they're moving. It's just causing a lot of disruption. You know, I told the girl that aliens have a base on the moon, and then she immediately quit talking to me. <laughs> Where was this? Yeah, on the internet. Oh, no, it was an internet talk. It wasn't in public. Okay. <laughs> I don't talk about that shit in public unless I have a microphone in my hand. Yeah. Where was I? But yeah. So yeah. They're just talking about the moon wobbling. Moon wobbling. Um, yeah. It's just the, the water is going gonna, gonna to start rising. we got to be careful here. I see a bad moon rising. Uh, what else? What other? I see trouble on the way. <laughs> Looks like we're in for nasty weather. Oh, I got one here for you because it kind of ties into <laughs> your life here. Now, headline says, nightmare scenario, potentially untreatable superbug being passed from dogs to owners. I worry about it. I wake up late at night and check for ticks a lot. (laughs) Yeah, ticks are one thing. But this is more of a superbug that kind of passes through your dog and eventually passes to you that has nothing that can possibly treat it. That's what superbugs are. They become just so powerful, no antibiotic doctors have made could possibly treat it. And you say I can get it from sleeping with my dog? It says the number one cause is sharing beds with dogs. <laughs> sleeping with your dog. I sleep with my dog every night. <laughs> and every day. You're and every just... day. he's We're attached. Yeah. So it is harbored in the gut and transported via microscopic fecal particles. So little, little shit particles. Yeah. Little poo particles. That, that's what's happening. And that's how it's passing, passing on to humans. It's just a weird dog pink eye. Yeah, so it's just like an antimicrobial resistant uh, bug, which is which isn't good. Which is becoming more and more. Scientists are seeing this more and more. Like, just these bugs are able to evade these antibiotics that we're like constantly trying to like uh, make more and more of and update and update. But you know, we can't keep up with some of these bugs. That's not good. No, you're not going to keep up with all the bugs, Brandon. There's lots of bugs out there. <laughs> these are the super bugs. These are the the uh, the pathogens that are trying to get in and kill us, make us sick, but it's just nature trying to even itself out. All right, ah, they'll make a vaccine. We just for keep it. stopping it. Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> yeah. They're trying. It's antibiotics, which like which is why taking like excessive antibiotics is also bad because you know you're you're not giving your body's bacteria a chance to fight anything off. Right, you're weakening your body. You're you're being a helicopter parent to your own bacteria. Well, I know all about that, Brandon. You're just not, not giving them a chance. I know all about being a helicopter parent. Yeah. <laughs> what, with your dog? Yeah, with my dog. And <laughs> and just like, I uh, I take immunosuppressants every day that suppress my immune system so my body won't attack uh, my donated kidney, right? Yeah. But because of that, I, I have a weaker immune system. If only but, there's ways to get more in tune, like we can like tap into our own minds, right? And just like train our body to be like, don't attack that. No, leave well, the kidney alone. That's also been a, 
approach I've had this entire uh, time, which has been like over 15 years now, where like I meditate and I think like, you're not going to attack that. But I still need to take the pills just in case. But because I have a suppressed immune system, like you think I'd get sick more often, but I'm lucky and I don't. Yeah, maybe you're. Or I'm just always sick. That's what I tell people. I'm just always yeah. sick. <laughs> yeah, you can't, you can't tell if you're you're sick. Or you're always sick. Yeah. No, you're you're seeing pretty well together. Maybe the that your bacteria has just kind of grown accustomed to it, and they're kind of buddy buddy with the. That's kind of more so what they suppress the immunosuppressants do. I think is like they suppress it just enough. But not too much where I'm sick all the time. Yeah. You, you, just you, mu- enough that my body doesn't want to reject the foreign object. Yeah. These damn bodies we're stuck in, man. They're just falling apart. Falling apart as we get older. Our backs hurt. Our legs hurt. My back's fine. <laughs> Your back's good now? It hurt for a couple of weeks. And then uh, yeah. yesterday my dad was like, I was sitting in the garage with my dad. And he's like, uh... Is your back bugging you again today? And I was just like, no, I'm fine. Um, and I jumped on it. I got a skateboard, and I jumped on the skateboard and did a kickflip. And you didn't hurt your back? I didn't hurt my back. So Good I'm stuff. Fine. I'm fine. But these goddamn bodies, wouldn't it be great if we could just leave them and just go somewhere else for a while? Hang, hang out where there's no space or time? Yeah, I like that theory. <laughs> Leaving them for a little bit, coming back. Yeah. Let's talk about that, because that's tonight's main topic, the gateway process, also called the Stargate Experiments. Now, these are both things done by the CIA in the 1980s, experiments in science behind astral projection and out-of-body experiences, and just multi-dimensional experiences, and just... It just keeps going. So let's, let's, stop, let's stop right there. Okay. Have you had an out-of-body experience? And what would you classify an out-of-body experience? Um, well, I guess there's a few ways to classify it. Is the is like the physical sensation of leaving your body behind. Um, which, you know, you, know you, can, you can kind of get that kind of feeling in dream states, right? As you're slowly passing into sleep. Sometimes people... like I feel like super... This happens most nights. I feel super heavy. Like my body's just made of lead, but I feel like I slowly kind of drift out of that. And like that's when I just start getting their early dream state, right? Sometimes I recognize that. So I think it's that feeling mixed with actually seeing your own body. Seeing your own body is a fucked up feeling, which I have had, I want to say, three or four times. (laughs) That's quite a lot. Checking yourself out. Um, Once or twice... Two of those experiences were under heavy doses of psychedelic drugs. Yep. And then other experiences were medical-related experiences, actually. In the hospital. Was it drug-induced? In the hospital and also (laughs) drug-induced. Okay, so they were all drug-induced. Yeah. I think they were all drug-induced. Normally they are. But, like, that feeling of being above your body to the point where you, like, look down and you can see yourself is, uh, I think something within the human mind that is achievable without drugs yeah absolutely i've had once in we're in toronto and i i guess i was a little stoned so there was some drugs involved but i meditated to a point where i felt that rush like that noise and that rush like i was leaving my body and then just before i felt like i was floating above my body yeah but when I went to look back at my body, I kind of snapped out of it. Yeah, that, that tends to happen. And, like, it takes years and years of, like, proper meditation and understanding meditation to, like, reach these kind of states on your own. And, like, it's 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 not that easy. Like, monks, monks figure it out. Don't they just call it enlightenment when you kind of reach these states? Yeah, they're, like, always in that state, right? Yeah, well, I don't Or know. they can get there quicker. Like, they know the process to be, like, I'm out of my body now. Yeah, so what we're talking about today are these uh, secret programs put on by the CIA. Um, these papers were released back in 2003. Um, they didn't really make the rounds on the Internet and, and until, like, a few years ago. People started going into the CIA's library on their website, which is 
just extensive of like every, every crazy shit, every program they did that they could possibly think of and release the files on, which makes you think like, what aren't they still telling us, right? They're talking about these uh, astral projection programs, right? So the first one being called the Stargate Experiments, um, there's a book called Men Who Stare at Goats. Have you heard of that? It's a... Uh, it's like a Ron Johnson book. Did they make it into a movie? They did. I think uh, jo- George Clooney's Clooney in it. Did, yeah. yeah, yeah. So this is like a psychic program that actually existed within the CIA to test out uh, astral projection and telekinesis, psychic abilities, and the whole idea with the goat is like, can can one of these guys like kill a goat with his mind? And you know, according to the studies, one of them was able to. And a lot of the time, these aren't just like people they're training from, like. Pulling them out of like the army and just like, all right, we're going to run you through these experiments. These are people with like years of training and meditation and understanding all this. Yeah, so. but the CIA always wants to get a hold of it and figure out how to fast track it so they can use it for evil. Yeah, for the most part. Like in 1983, they started the gateway process, which was for the army. So this paper that got released was basically a summary of the, the program, how it works and the science behind it. Um, basically this letter is being sent to a general in the army. The army has interest in this kind of stuff. So like, what, what's the army doing with like astro projecting? Cause this, it, during the cold war. Yeah. They could only want it for one thing, which would be to like destroy other people. Well, strike or spying. Like or if, spy on other people. If they think they can actually like have people leave their bodies, fly above the earth and like see specific locations. Like why not try it? The Russians were trying it. During the Cold War, they had their own psychic programs, their own astral projecting programs. So, like, the out-of-body experience is similar to astral projecting. It's like, it's more like out-of-body experience with a direction, right? You're actually trying to go somewhere specific, not only a specific place, but a specific time, too. So, like, people have been able to, like, train themselves to do this in this program came back with just, like, unbelievable experiences and reports and stuff and like we'll get into that a bit more but yeah like this so this program uh uses elements of hypnotism transcendental meditation and biofeedback and what were this was the cia just like picking out like random strangers to do this or people from the military to do this or were they like going after like actual like trained buddhist monks and yeah stuff. They, they were yeah that's what they wanted they wanted people who had years behind them of, of meditation experiences so they can at least reach these states easier and have an understanding of these states so they're not struggling with new now i think they would eventually test it on people who had less experience with it once the uh <clears throat> the hemisphere or the hemisync is what they call it once they created this device, I think they were able to test it on more, more So people. they wanted to make a device that they could, like, fast-track this with. Yeah, basically strap this helmet on, headphones. Your, of course it was a helmet. Yeah, yeah, well, it pumps frequencies into your brain. It's trying to sync up your left and right hemisphere of your brain. Right. So that's why these elements of hypnotism, meditation, biofeedback, and what these different things do to your brain is kind of different elements of what's happening in this hemisync, what they're trying to do. So with hypnotism, so I guess the best way I understand it, the left side of your brain is the social side of your brain. You know, it's it's interacting with the external world. And it's relaying that external world message to the right side of the brain, which is a lot more pattern. It's kind of more machine. It's just getting things done. Logic-based. Logic-based, right. right. So your left brain has to send a message to the right brain. Because that's how they always break it up, whereas the creative side and the logic mm-hmm. side, right? Mm-hmm. It's just translating the world for the logical side of the brain. So in hypnotism, it, it relaxes the left side of the brain, basically you know, puts its guard down, so the external messages go directly to the right brain unfiltered. So that's why people are so truthful and like are able to... like reach parts of their subconscious that, you know, they might have forgotten under hypnotism and stuff. So that's kind of how that works. Then there's transcendental meditation, which is kind of meditation where you're focused on a specific point in your, in your spine and you're just, you're basically pushing energy up with your, with your mind from the bottom of your spine all the way up 
to your neck and to your head and, and upwards, right? Yes. Yeah, that's the type of meditation that I've practiced yeah, here, that, and, here and there. There you go. That mixed with breathing, like it, 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 it does sync up a lot of your brain activity. It's just slowing your breathing down. It's slowing your heart rate down. And in turn, it will shift the frequency of your brain waves. And that's what I was doing that day. I felt like I was drifting out of my body. Yeah, it's, you know, they're all connected. Our heart, our brain, and like in our lungs, and it's just, it's all working in a cycle. And I, But then your other side of your brain kicks in and gets scared. The logic side goes, no, no, this isn't what humans are supposed to do. You're not supposed to leave your body. Come back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you do want to shut that part down. Right. So the key is, so they created this hemisync system. Um, I forget the, the guy's name. Uh, he had this program for studying consciousness uh, and frequency. He was obsessed with frequencies and like how this affects our consciousness. So he, he was able to discover that uh, playing one frequency in one, one ear and one in the other would like connect to the left and right hemisphere of the brain. But each, each one is a different frequency because that's how your brain works. Each side of your brain has a different frequency. Right. So you're trying to sync up each individual side to the sound that's coming through the headphones so that those two, once they've met those, uh, once, they've, once they've met that synchronicity, they are able to eventually merge. So the left and right brain will essentially merge frequencies and be running on the same frequency. So that's what they think this hemi-sync system can do. You plot these headphones on, you know, get someone in a nice meditative state, relaxed state, and they can essentially pop into this upper dimension, right? Right. You start to leave space and time. You float above your body, essentially. That's what people report. Right. And that's the first stage of it. And if you continue this, eventually your brain will sync up to the Earth's frequency. Earth itself has its own frequency. So you're just like hooking up to this just giant grid of energy and like that surrounding the earth and you're just hooking yourself right up to it right right so that's when people are be able to experience like visions of like other places and other places in time and like it seems pretty erratic and you can only be there if the frequency is at the right spot like if that frequency changes you're gonna leave that state right yeah if something disrupts the the experiment you're gonna pop right out of it but like people that, like like I said, that are trained in this and already reach these enlightened states on their own, they were able to map this place out. So that's what the CIA wanted. They wanted people under these experiences that have done it before, but able to get there quick and stay there a long time right. and basically ascend farther than they ever have before. Because like people under these states, once they're able to understand it and map it out, they like they can just keep pushing it further. And like what this report, so cool. this report does it's everything it can just to make all this sound as scientific as possible. Because all this stuff comes from like occult beliefs and just like wishy-washy science and just like woo-woo kind of stuff, right? Well, it all comes from fucking transcend- transcending meditation. It comes yeah. from meditation and like Eastern culture. and Yeah, so it's coming up thousands of years of, of like experience in this stuff. But Buddhism. What they're trying to do is trying to put it in a scientific framework so they understand it. So it, it basically all has to do with quantum science, they say, how, how all this works and how we connect to the cosmos essentially right but like it's like can you put something that is in such like an eastern buddhism philosophy and frequency can, like you can't put that into a scientific framework they're trying to they're basically trying to merge the two like they don't want to the problem with science science is the one thing that holds back science like, there's a lot of scientists out there really trying to achieve something and think outside the box because that's how science works. That's how you figure shit out. But there's also a lot of people in the science world holding everything back. Because but maybe there's some shit we can't figure out, like high energy frequencies that connect your brain to a higher transcending that's universe. What I mean. Well, the fact that this paper was written in 1983 and they completely understood the science and how it works, like where is it now like it's not like they just stopped this program they must right. have continued this right just imagine where they're at now they were just beginning with this stuff just trying to understand just some of the experiences like i said there's there was a program later on in the 80s i think in 85 where they tried to send an astral projector to mars 
they, it, it was a confusing story. Like they essentially had an envelope with a, a card in it that had uh, a place and a time, but this astral projector, he wasn't able to see it. He, he had to read it when he was done the experience. They just had, you know, they just implant, like he had to just pick up on the idea of what it is. Yeah. Kind of like a Johnny Carson, right? <laughs> Holds the envelope up to his head. <laughs> right. So then he gets into this state and he and there's all these like transcriptions of like him and the the, the person interviewing him like and like kind of leading him through this and like what do you see what do you see and he's just like i see like this giant dry desert landscape and i see these very tall people like tall and skinny like much bigger than humans wearing weird clothing and they're surrounded by these giant pyramids and obelisks like all over and like all these people are like well that's not mars huddling together and they're dying and like and uh you know, that's all he could describe. That's he was just getting bits of data out there, right? Because they're just telling him, it's like, forget about making sense of it. Just tell us what, what you, you see. see, what your visions are. So then, when the whole thing ended and they opened the card up, it just said, uh, it said Mars, and then there's like a specific location on Mars that they've mapped. Was it a different time? It was uh, one million BC. So like years ago, yeah. Like what might have been going on in Mars years ago? So this CIA psychic agent, I guess you'd call him. Traveled to Mars a billion BC ago just to see this dying civilization, essentially. Right. Which makes sense that there would be a dying civilization on Mars years years ago. Like, that's why, that's a crazy example of astral projection. Like I said before, like, the Russians were experimenting with it the same time as the CIA. In fact, probably earlier. But honestly, it's quite simple because if you think of, like, just beginner meditation shit, they tell you, like... Picture a happy place. Yeah. Go to the beach or the ocean, you know, and you can transcend yourself to that place just by thinking about it. Maybe you really can. Maybe you're actually going there. Yeah, so maybe either this guy went to what he thought Mars was like in that time frame, or he actually fucking went there. It's, is it the human brain, or is it actual physical transcending? I don't know, but, you know, they spent millions of dollars on this program, so there must be something to it. I think there's something to it. I think you're, yeah. And, and if just, you can tap into that framework, you can go anywhere in time. Yeah, you're, you're free from space and time. It's a fucking DeLorean, man. And, like, I, I really wanted to finish this. I was busy with other stuff. I wanted to finish this full report because for the longest time, like I said, this report came out 2003, um, everything was there, but it was missing page 25. Yeah. And, you know, it was probably a mistake at first. So the same people that tried to, like, write those reports to help get these out in the public were like, hey, we're missing a page. Can you find the missing page? It's kind of a very key page to this whole thing. It ties everything together. And they just weren't responsive. Yeah. And this page showed up, I think, maybe a month ago, finally. Someone got their hands on it, put it online. Just a missing page from this report. Yeah. Or they someone re-released the report with the missing page. What was on the page? Did they like tell you how to do it on that page? Is there a reason not, why the CIA like, acts that page? Like they basically tell you how to do it throughout the whole thing, just like the method of it at least, right? The thing is you are just transcending <laughs> your mind to this place and time, right? It's, the time and yeah. space. They now, make it sound so easy, though. <laughs> what they're going to want to do next, though, the obviously next progression is like, how do we get our fucking meat body sack there, you know? Yeah. Well, everything leading up to page 24 was talking about the science, like the quantum physics behind it, what they understand. Also talking about ancient philosophy, ancient uh, uh, beliefs, and like how those tie in to like a lot of these these things and like very similar symbolism and understanding oh yeah there's a really high probability that like ancient civilizations had this shit figured out and yeah. they were just doing it left right and center going to any time they wanted yeah. to like the the, the kind of diagrams the scientists were, were writing out they're creating these kind of big like churning spheres and egg-like shapes that have like different churning parts like within it and stuff and at the same time, they're seeing these the same kind of symbolism in different cultures all over the world. So it's like they somehow had the understanding that like of this cosmic egg is what they're calling it. Cosmic it's like, egg is all of it's all of the universe. It's just one consciousness. It's essentially what God is, but they call it the absolute. So that's what's on this missing right. page. It's talking that. about God, the absolute, and how reality itself might just be. 
just consciousness is permeating through everything and around us. And this one consciousness, everything is one. The only way it could get proper experience is if it like creates a hologram of itself and experience you know, that's self-replicating and it experiences itself in that way, which is very hard to wrap your head around. I probably fucking butchered it. The universe is an egg. Yeah. Got, yeah. The universe is just experiencing itself. Everything is like, everything is God. Everything has a consciousness. Which, which is fucking Buddhism and like absolute, the absolute isn't unheard of. Everybody yeah. refers to God or the absolute or the higher power or the great lady in the sky, whatever. It's all the same egg. It's all the same egg. <laughs> the universe is an egg. It's all the same egg. But uh, it's amazing. Yeah. And like, yeah, this, you know, people talk about, you know, feel oneness when people take mushrooms. I've done mushrooms and felt the oneness, yes. felt connected to everything. I'm like, it makes sense to me. Yes. And then it makes you think if all this is real and like we have this ability to just totally leave our bodies, enter different dimensions, higher states of consciousness and even interact with other higher beings is another thing that we're reporting. If we're able to do that. The big question is why? Like, why are yeah, we able why? to do that? Why, like, are lobsters able to do this? Like, are mice able to do this? Like, are they just already there? Like, we don't know what animal species and like what our dogs are seeing. This thing keeps falling down. Um, like, we don't know what. Like, clearly, dogs are on a different frequency than we are. They can hear whistles we can't even hear. <laughs> Yeah. Right? They can sense earthquakes coming. Yeah, storms. This guy's been acting weird for like two days. I don't know what's up. But like they can sense things and other animals are even more in tune yeah. to shit. So like maybe there's just something that our dumb monkey human brains aren't connected to. Or it's just the fact that we're the only beings that actually understand this. <laughs> like barely. The right. best of our humans are just barely being able to understand all this. And, and uh, yeah, and, and there's a good chance that past civilizations had a greater understanding of it and could tap into those frequencies a lot quicker yeah. than we can. And that's why you see, like, some crazy Buddhist monk that can tap into it like nothing and just lives in this transcendent frequency. Yeah, like, what if all How these... How do I get there? What if all these pyramids and grids and, and just obelisks made were just, real, like, tuning forks, ways to hone in on this frequency? I love that idea. That idea makes sense to me. And it's, it's not new. It's like all these areas happen to be in very specific places in the earth that just happen to have all these inner crossings of energy there's like bands of energy stretching across the earth in the magnetic magnetic uh sphere surrounding the earth right but there's certain areas that just have a lot more and that's how that happens to be where the egyptian site is located different mayan and aztec sites uh like uh stonehenge and same time you're also able to connect a lot of these sites in one perfect line that circles the earth yeah like not all of them, but like Easter Island connects to the like to the pyramids, which goes around connects to sites in Africa. Which you could so- draw a line to anything, <laughs> but like, but it's more than one site, and it still goes a straight line around the world. There's definitely some shit that's gone on here on Earth at some point in history that we don't fucking know about because it was run by a higher civilization. Or by aliens or yeah. whatever. Something greater than us fucking apes. Yeah, it could have been us, though. We just could have had way better knowledge of the Earth. We could have just been in the same way animals have senses, extrasensory abilities to help them adapt and survive. We could have just grown along in our own nature. Now we're just blind to all of our senses. Right. We're like, but then we could just still be living in tune. And That just... frequency, like that sense of frequency could have been something that was easily attainable. Like, you yeah. know, you're like, I'm just going to jump on this frequency for a bit the same way we jump on the fucking internet. Yeah, like you, you could, they could build their own tuning forks, singing and like doing chanting, like, chanting, like all this stuff. Can I bring love chanting, man. Ever listen to some good chanting? <laughs> no. Or try it yourself? Just try my just, own chanting? Yeah. Just like, alone in the car? Yeah. Or like meditate, but then like hit a point where like, you know me, I'm not a musical person, but if I want to chant, I'm not going to chant for you right now. <laughs> okay. And it's about finding frequencies, yeah. right? Oh, 
I'm Chris Cornell. And then you just find the frequencies. And then it feels good. It does. And yeah, maybe there's more science behind it. And that's what these ancients have been doing. Another thing. <laughs> it's also a way of possibly connecting with higher spiritual beings, which also all ancient cultures talk about doing by entering these states of consciousness. Some of them were psychedelic taking cultures. Out of them, yeah, they had other means of entering these states. So, what, like, who are we meeting on the other side? Because that's another thing. Uh, and are they even on the other side, or are they just in a different frequency? Just around us all the time. Different yeah. frequency. So, get this. This is experiments uh, from these programs. Some of the experimenters talked about coming across reptilian-like creatures. Of course. Like when they pass over, like it's very similar to a DMT trip, the way they describe like passing through a tunnel of light and just like there's a lot of patterns and colors, a lot of shit going on. And all understanding, the, the all understanding yeah. light. But giant reptiles, giant mantis, this is what people are experimenting under the hemisphere. They're not, they're not on drugs. This is them just getting frequencies pumped into their head while meditating and they're leaving their body and they're just greeting the reptiles. <laughs> Now, are these evil reptiles from another dimension? Like, are, are, they, uh, are yeah. they demonic? They had some evil intent, you know, from what some of these people talk That's about. That's what I always think, too. And when I hear these stories about reptilians and stuff, like, they are the evil-brained other frequencies. Yeah. Like, I always, like the whole reptilian thing, I'm into aliens and UFOs, but the whole reptilian thing is always kind of... Kind of a joke. It's in. I like. I keep up with it the best I can. It's it's interesting, but I don't think there's anything behind it. But once I found out, like these experiencers were like a, like meeting up with these reptilian higher dimensional beings in these altered states. Yeah. And it was like written in actual scientific CIA papers. I'm like, oh fuck. <laughs> I also like the theory that it's just like kind of like a almost like a fucking personality archetype. You know, it's like kind of like. You know, people or things are either they're more reptilian-like, which means like they they're cold-blooded and they don't really they're very self-centered and they just care about themselves and they're not loving and outward the way a, an ape brain would be. Yeah. So just reptile people. <laughs> just like I think they're called sociopaths, Tyler. Sociopaths and like just just people that are cold and bitchy <laughs> and <laughs> shitty people. They're just reptile people. And then maybe if we are talking about tapping into higher frequencies and higher dimensions, maybe those people when they do that, they're just represented as a fucking lizard. Yeah. As far as far as I understand from all the reports I hear from alien abductions to you know intense drug-induced visions to out-of-body experiences all the way up to this hemisphere thing i think the top honcho uh, the top of this the top of the chain the highest being of all is the giant mantis i think so too. it comes up more and more and i don't just, think the mantis is evil and demonic <coughs> the way the lizards are no he's just it's so high above it that you know i don't even think it has any emotions to even connect to us or it has the highest emotions connect to us but yeah, when people, well, there's two. There's the mantis, and then there's the pink lady, and I think they're the highest. The pink lady. Yeah, the purple lady. The purple lady. That's yeah. That's the. You ever mess with her? Never know. People experience that under DMT. Yeah. It's also the a lot of Indian religions. Uh, there's she purple comes ladies. up a lot. Yeah, she comes up at that same level as the mantis, though. So I feel like they're like maybe king and queen of the top. Yeah, they're, they're definitely the hierarchy, like below them. I'm sure the reptilians are sitting there somewhere. Below them, you get the greys. I don't know what the greys are up to. We're just building our own... Uh... <laughs> Tier of interdimensional creatures, right? Yeah. Then you got the humans. Like, I wonder if there's anything We're below low. us. Yeah. We're pretty low. We're pretty low on the chain. Below us is probably just some weird form of jellyfish. It just floats around bumping into each other. Yeah, but be, but above us is probably another form of jellyfish. <laughs> <laughs> We're between the jellyfish. We're between jellyfish. Humans between the jellyfish. Yeah. So I'm stoked. I hope there's more. I hope there's just going to be open science programs about this stuff. Because these are all CIA programs, right? You, you don't see any of these public science programs going like all right we're gonna jump into the next dimension <laughs> and then there's the cynical theory of is this all real and then it's your 
determination of what is real or what is just happening in the brain? Is it just chemically induced brain visions or is this a real thing where we're tapping into other dimensions due to frequency? Yeah, it, it feels important, whatever's happening. Yeah. Because, like, not only... I don't you, think it fucking matters if it's real no. or not. If you're a human and you feel it, whether it's in your fucking brain or not, it's real. Another big aspect that people talked about going through these experiments was, like, gaining an insight. Like, gaining knowledge and wisdom. Like, not directly, like, someone telling you or reading something. Like, it's downloaded into them. Yes. That's something that they frequently said. Like, I feel like this insight of the universe I've never understood before. Which is another DMT feeling. Yeah. Same thing. That we have both felt, actually felt. Yeah, just like pump pump this information into you. You're not going to know what to do with it right now, but it'll come in handy one day. Yeah. And so far, I think it has. I don't know. I don't know. And like... Alien abduction experiencers, same thing. People who claim to be abducted by aliens... Get downloaded with all this information. Yeah, like they might get something up their butt, but they also get something in their brain. Yeah. And they often come back with like uh, just this new knowledge or just... A new, like, understanding of the world they live in. But it's so hard to, like, comprehend that and articulate that. Yeah. Once you come back to this human state. Yeah. But, yeah. like, if alien... <laughs> not only alien abductions are the same. Some people are coming back to be like, I'm going to save the ocean. Other people are coming back like, I'm traumatized for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. The human brain is crazy. This universe we live in is just a fucking yeah. egg. But you know what? I'm going to finish this report, and I'm going to figure out how to do this hemisync. It might be a while. You might have to, yeah, we'll have to quit all uh, drugs and alcohol and caffeine, no sugar. Yep, we'll have to train in meditation probably for months. Which is what a lot of these Buddhist monks do. Yeah, and uh, I'm pretty sure you can get on YouTube uh, some kind of hemisync. <laughs> You'll have to get, like, some good headphones, right, with the left and right speaker. Just get the different frequency in each side of your head. Just lay back and just... Man, there's something to it. This is... Yeah. I'm, I'm fascinated we, by this because yeah. I think there is something to it. Do you think if we astral project together, we'll find each other on that plane? I hope so. I hope that <laughs> just is a thing. flying around like Superman, like, wee. I hope that is a thing, that you can astral project with your friends and then go explore and have adventures in other dimensions with your friends. Yeah. Like, this could just be what... This just describes what dreaming could possibly be, right? You're just slipping out of your body and entering a different state. Which I feel like we're fucking bringing up DMT more than fucking Joe Rogan. But <laughs> I know. <laughs> that's another fucking... Uh, it ties into all this. That's another thing. I forget what you just said. Dreams. Dreams, right. And that's another high dose of uh, dimethyltryptamine into the brain is when you dream. And that's science. It's nothing to do with Crow Rogan. Crow Rogan, yeah. Like... It's like these. Some of these researchers believe it's some kind of chemical doorway to another place, and like having it in our bodies, we can enter these states on our own through different ways. Whether it's dreaming, or you know, you can do like breath work and meditation to enter it, or they say you just get a giant DMT trip when you die. It just dumps into your brain, right? Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's like, it's like uh, your body's dying. It's like I know you normally visit this place, but now we're. Taking a one-way ticket to the other dimension. It's like, you know, in... Until uh, we give you a new body. In Fear and Loathing. Yeah. When Hunter S. Thompson, ha or is, uh, the other guy, has the pineal gland of a yeah. rhinoceros or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I forget what it is. I haven't seen it in that movie or read the book in a while. But it's like, if you eat this pineal gland, you'll just trip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is probably true, because if the pineal gland's full of DMT... Then here we go. It could be the it. Well, in the book, they said Satanists would uh, kill people, chop their heads off, and carve the pineal gland right out of their head. Human pineal gland. Human pineal gland. Just dripping with DMT. So, Tunner S. <laughs> Thompson writing it, so I don't know how true it no, is. No, none of it's true. <laughs> I love, that guy's awesome. But yeah. But man, let's, uh, let's fucking, let's just hemi sync together and float around the universe. Yeah, dude. I'm down to. I'm down. Yeah, fuck Zoom calls. Let's just go meet on the astral plane. But it is kind of like there is something between what we've created with the internet and the way we use the internet to interly connect with anyone across the world. I feel like that is a representation of this yeah. sort of like what we think we can achieve with this uh, 
what did he say it was called? The Hemisync. Hemisync. I think that's what we're trying to achieve is a way to connect with all people and all oneness through our own minds. But right now we're doing it with the fucking Ethernet cable. Yeah, mix this with with whatever Elon Musk wants to put on our heads. Uh, Muskie's in space. He's trying to load us up with, turn our brain into a computer, I feel like. See that other billionaire went to space last week? (laughs) Bronson? Branson? Branson. Uh, Virgin Mobile. Ah, good for him. But, like, they're not even going to space. They're just spending their money to float around, like, the fucking, oh, just outside of what isn't our atmosphere. Yeah, why don't you go hang out in the space station for 90 days, huh? Try one of those. Like what I did uh, with the the bald guy, Jeff Bezos. Did he go to space yet? Yeah, I don't know. Let's get them all out. Get yeah. them all out of here. Ship them up there. <laughs> Let them go sort sort out their money up there. <laughs> They're, turn them into moon dollars. <laughs> <laughs> moon dollars. That's the new currency. On the moon. <laughs> I have a billion moon dollars. Oh, Tyler. We're doomed. This world we live in. We're doomed. <laughs>